Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Real Talk with some real leaders. And I have with me today, none other than Bishop Evans. He has a wonderful church, uh, Bethany Baptist in New Jersey. Uh, there's so much I could say about him. I mean, he is he's producing music. He's a culinary arts expert. <laughs> Love the food that we have when we get there. Uh, he's written some books. He's on uh, he's on TV and and he's streaming. And so there's just so many places where this man of God is having impact. What a wonderful church they have out there. It's good to see you, Bishop Evans. Good to see you, Pastor. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And I'm looking forward to hearing some of the answers to these questions I have sure. today. And I believe just through our dialogue that we were even having off camera mm -hmm. or on camera, but not recorded, right. might find its way into this to really be a help to some people. Yeah, I've, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I'm honored too that you thought of me. I really am honored that you thought of me. I, I saw, um, I saw the uh, interview with uh, Pastor Bart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm going to call him and tell him a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like teasing Bart. Yes, well, we're all good friends, and so it's yeah. so good to have us stay in conversation, especially in these times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let me, let me start off with this. Um, just, just a warm-up question, and that is, like, do you have a song right now that's the jam for you? For me, I'll just let you know, there's yeah. a song I've been listening to. It's called Remember by uh, Brian and Katie Torwalt, and yeah. it's just this cool song about saying our soul needs to remember who death bows to and yeah. it's just a powerful so anyway that's mine right now that i'm just jamming out to yeah. but what about for you what is a is there a song um, right now that's helping you i i like i like holy water by we became okay i've got to yeah. check that out uh -huh. oh, you'll like it and anything laura daigle sings is okay for me yeah there you go <laughs> yeah. what is it about that song holy water that really it, is um, I, I like the words i think it's an unusual song um uh, the writer um, is a is a thinker. Um, the beat is is it's catching, mm -hmm. you know. And it's one of those songs. The drive you find yourself humming it or singing it throughout the day. It's got Amen. one of those. It's got one of those Andre Crouch books on it. But there it is. You can't get it out of your head. Right, right. It stays on you. Yeah. Well, uh, Bishop, you're probably one of the most optimistic, joyful leaders I know. It's amazing that, I mean, leading a, a large church that you do and a big network that you're mm -hmm. around, sometimes, you know, people can be zone, so in the zone um, that sometimes that joy sort of kind of goes below the surface or becomes secondary, but that's not sure. the case for you. You yeah. always have a joyful disposition. But here we are in this current time that we're in, and can you share with us what's the secret ingredient of maintaining the joy? I'm guessing you're maintaining it. Uh, sure. uh, but what is, when there's difficulty and despair all around us, how do you maintain that joy? Any secret ingredients that you can share with us? Well, it's, it's a phenomenal question. I think one of the dilemmas for uh, Christians is that joy like faith and grace and mercy are very common terms, but I don't know about your background, but they never taught me what joy was, what faith, how to, how to work faith. It was almost like I got saved and they were gonna send me to the, the Walmart and they had a Christian section down there and you just go down there and buy some joy and buy some faith, but they just told you to have faith, have joy, 
you know, enjoy the mercy and grace of God. And I decided that that couldn't have been enough when the Bible is clear when it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now that's a very, that's an off-quoted scripture. Everybody can say it, new Christians, experienced Christians, but you know the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I started to wonder, well, if that's true, why am I feeling like I'm feeling so early in my walk with God? What, what is joy? It wasn't fun. It wasn't happiness. What is it? And how, what, how do I access it? Um, and how do I understand fully that it's, it's an empowerment, not just a term used by kingdom people? So I started researching it. And the key was the joy of the Lord is my strength. So um, I realized the strength of my relationship with God dictates the dimension of joy that I function in. So the stronger I am with God, the greater my faith will be, the greater my sense of joy will be. So practically speaking, uh, joy does not eliminate challenge. Mm -hmm. Joy does not eliminate a fluctuation in emotion. So if that's not it, what is it? Um, joy is the concrete floor in the basement in a two or three story house. Wow. I may fall through two floors, but I'll run into my joy or his strength if I, if I have one of those seasons where I feel like I'm down. Wow. So joy is a foundational place in the Christian. Hmm. That keeps me, I can get sad, but I won't get depressed. I won't stay depressed. I can, I can grieve, but I'll mourn differently because the direct correlation of the strength of my well-being, sense of well-being, is connected to the strength of my relationship with God. So joy becomes the floor that I cannot crash through when things are not going my way. Wow, that is so good. Now, how would you, how would you say that for people who might be missing out or not prioritizing joy? What is, what is the case with that? That people are just not even prioritizing it. They, you know, you were talking about faith a little bit, and mm -hmm. some people do emphasize on faith, but how can they emphasize on faith and kind of miss out? Well, I, I think it's, it's pretty simple. When I, when I did the research um, a while ago, and, and what's funny, we're talking about this, Pastor, I actually did a series on joy did about you? six months ago. Hmm. You know, and I don't know why the Lord dropped it on me, but I did four weeks on joy and taught on it. And what happened was when, I, when, when um, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, mm -hmm. the righteous run in and they are delivered, they are saved. So that's where the Lord started the conversation with me. And then I looked up sorrow and found out that the word sorrow means to fabricate. Hmm. So when I'm feeling sorrowful, I start building a place for me to dwell out of material that God did not give me. Wow. I could fabricate this place. Now depression comes when I run into this place that I built lock the door and lose the key. Hmm. Can't get out. So I'm rumbling around in my head because I realize the most dangerous person in my life is not the enemy. It's me unsupervised in my own head. I need supervision in here. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Yes. So I realized I have to make a choice. 
to run into the name of Jesus, run into my relationship with Jesus, access him, or build something that he doesn't give me the material to build. And it's rich. Being a moody person, um, I can find a thousand reasons if I get unsupervised to be upset. Mm -hmm. But I've learned that that same moodiness, if you will, gives me the sensitivity I need to shepherd. Yeah. So I've had to learn how to control that so that I don't get, um, I don't go past saying. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and in the work that we do, it's, e it's easy to get disappointed. Yes. And easy to get into a place where you are kind of digging your own hole and throwing the dirt up over your head and it coming down and burying you in, in the mindset that you're in. So I, I think that um, the, the joy is a choice. It is not spontaneous. Wow. Joy is based on my relationship with God because what I'm trying to do is access his strength when I don't feel strong. Wow. You know, this is so good. I mean, I didn't know that you were, you just taught on joy uh, a couple of months ago. I just know it's something that you carried well, but yeah. thinking about the current time we're in, I just mm -hmm. said, man, let me just pose this question to him. And I think it's one of those core teachings that actually need to be taught right now. Absolutely. We're finding people just going into that place in their head unsupervised. Mm -hmm. They're taking the news and they don't know how to decipher between right. fact and truth, mm -hmm. you know, and some of the facts are causing them to lose their faith where truth would bring the joy of who God is. It would bring all, all that stuff that you're talking about. But is there other core teachings that you believe need to be emphasized absolutely. in the hour that we're in? Absolutely. I think, I think faith is absolutely another one of those terms that is... Um, spoken very regularly in the body of Christ, but I'm not sure we're being taught how to operate in faith. Mm. You know, for instance, ever since I got saved, and I've been saved since 1976, I've heard the term, pray the prayer of faith. But nobody ever told me what it was. <laughs> so once I learned what the prayer of faith was and what's required in it, it helped me um, push the doubt out of my walk with God. It's not to say I don't have doubt still, but sometimes I do. Yeah. I don't. I I feel it more more than speaking. Um, totally transparent. I I don't display doubt at all. Mm. But I feel it. Right. If wow. that makes sense. Yeah. All wow. right. Um, it's like some questions that we have. It may not be politically correct, or maybe you may not be able to articulate. But I have questions that I feel rather than articulate. Hmm. And where my deliverance comes is when the question that I'm feeling gets answered. So does that make sense? Yeah. So, so in the context of, of um, I believe without teaching on faith during this time, that people are not able to access the joy that comes with the Lord's relationship. I think, I think faith joy, grace, um, uh, your mind being your servant, having given our minds the impression that it's in charge of us. Mm. So God has given, God has given us our minds as slaves. Mm. Slaves don't get to ask questions. 
Slaves have to do what you told them to do. Wow. So, so our minds are out of order for years. And we don't know. We think it's supposed to tell us what to do, but we're supposed to tell our head what to do. Mm. And that brings the rest of it, our, our life with us. So I believe those are fundamental foundations. But this faith thing is a big thing. I agree. We're, we're told to have it, mm. but hardly are told how to operate it. Wow. Especially those of us that are outside the word of faith movement. It's a buzzword, but I'm not sure it's a principle where we're taught to really how to operate in now for you, are you that is that where you're going right now, currently, with what's happening with your church as they're listening to you? Are you are you bringing forth a faith message? I would actually have thought that, by the way. I'm like, I know what he's preaching on. He's probably going in on faith. But is that the case or not? Well, uh, once again, you know, God takes care of uh, babies and fools. Hmm. So the last part of 2019, I did almost eight weeks, maybe 10 weeks on faith. Hmm. And then I moved into joy. So it was, I, you know, I, I know now it was the leading of the Holy Spirit for sure. Yeah. I thought it was at the time, but who knew that this teaching on faith and teaching on joy and how to operate in it as empowerments, who knew that we would need it in 2020 at the extent that we did. Right. So I, I believe that, and even now, I'm doing like 10-minute series, three, three, three videos at a time on, on the laws of faith. Wow. Even, even as we speak. Wow. Where can people find that? On, on, our, on our website at David G. Evans 1. Okay. It's something called the laws of faith. Now there are about six messages, 10 minutes apiece on the laws of faith. And I believe we're really blessed. No, that's great. Now, now can you help me with this? How does the body of Christ come out of this stronger, better, wiser than we were before we got here. What are your thoughts about that? I think we have to pass the test we're being given right now. One of the hardest things for me to do in school, I thought the hardest test to take was an open book test. And we are, we are, we are taking an open book test right now. Yeah. And, and just a little background, something else that, I, that I've been teaching since uh, February, often, um, especially with doing, through social media, I had a chance to teach it in church and then shifted it to social media. What I believe is happening is that if judgment begins at the house of God and judgment is choosing between two things, then God is asking his church a question. Now, the first thing that, 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 that um, really impressed me I, I've heard a lot of prophets. And the thing I think that's confusing about the Christ is there are so many different messages of coming from the prophetic that I don't know if people know what to believe. Mm. So I, it, it appears to me we've got a little Corinthian spasm going on here because everybody's got a prophecy. Everybody's got a this, everybody's got a that. Wow. So it doesn't it matter. You know, we've got eight mountains, we've got seven mountains, we've got five mountains. We got, we, I mean, just we're all over the place. Yeah. So God, told, so God told me, what about what I said? Hmm. So you get this, this, the church generally looks outside itself when we see this international global judgment happen. Well, what blew my mind, Pastor Jamie, was this. We've got five 
maybe six of the seven plagues going on right now. Mm. We've, we've got unusual hailstorms mm -hmm. for this time of year, unusual lightning and thunder for this time of year. We've got locusts in Africa. Mm. We've got this plague going around the world. Right. So we've got most of the plagues operating right now. Right. Well, um, clearly as a bell, God says to me, why would I have to mark my people's houses uh, when the death angel came through Egypt? Why would I have to mark my house? And it was because Israel had blended into Egypt so thoroughly that the angel wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Hmm. So I believe, <laughs> I believe that God is asking the church, who do you choose? Oh yeah. And I, and I believe we have assimilated so thoroughly that God is having confusion in telling us from the culture that we're in. So he wants again an obviously bloodstained church. Mm. Is this making sense? No, this is so good. I mean, I'm I'm reflecting a little bit on what I shared this Sunday, and it was okay. similar that I was talking about rebuilding our broken altars. Yes, sir. And how Elijah yes, had, sir. it was kind of a standoff moment, yes. saying, "Which God are you going to serve?" Absolutely. You guys have yes, been so unconventional. Yes, the church. Who are you going to choose? Right. You know, because obviously, if he has to ask the question. Mm -hmm. We're blending in a little too much. We exactly. don't. We're not. We're not as obvious as Adam and Eve were in the garden before they fell. Right. So God is having a problem looking down, seeing His church. Hmm. Because we're not the obviously blood bought by blood stained church that He is looking for. Yeah, I I kind of communicated in a, a interesting way where there was the sacrifice of the bull, right? That was on the altar. Mm -hmm. And I said, a lot of us have these altars we think we're building, but we haven't cut the bull yet. Yes. <laughs> and I said, we got to cut the bull. <laughs> we got to, like, we have a church that doesn't know how to count the cost anymore or make yeah. sacrifices or set themselves yeah. apart. Yes. We're able to be pretty popular. You know, we're, we're, we're in on what's trending, but there's a sense where eventually the people of God need to stand out and they will feel unpopular, which is why Elijah was like, am I the only one? Right? right. Was right. the last time when we felt like we were the only one that was consecrating ourselves from the culture around us. Absolutely. And I, it kind of reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood. Mm. Blood stained, but she was in hiding. Yeah. And what she needed was a, uh, if you will, a redemptive move. Mm -hmm. Because the blood stains in the story of the woman with the issue of blood, her garment was never unstained. The nature of her stain was changed. So now it was a sign of a deliverance rather than a sign of some issue that she had. That's so good. Um, I, I think that um, I, you know, I've talked to some pastors, Pastor Jamie, and they are saying they don't think the church will ever be the same again. And I said, I agree with you, but only in this way. I believe the church is going to be stronger than it's ever been. I believe the value of the church, the preciousness of it, has, has escalated in the minds of the saints. I believe, and some of it's going to be human nature. Some will want to come back because they were told they couldn't come. Yeah. But the, but the, the actuality is that we are not ready to uh, net, if you will, what God's going to send. Mm. If, we're not, if we're not in position to receive an Acts 15 church, mm. 
where people don't look like what we historically thought was acceptable. Um, if we are if we are not offering moments, changing mindsets, and offering wisdom, we've got to create moments because content people can get all over the internet. Yeah. But when they're coming to us, the content is what makes them curious. Fish are caught because of curiosity. Mm. The, 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 the content makes them curious, but when they come to us, they want to hear wisdom. They want to, they want to have a spiritual moment and they want to have a memory. If I create a memory, a moment, then all of a sudden they're thinking when they leave your place. Yeah. I believe God is going to bring a host of people back. I just, I just hope that we're ready for the influx. The nets are going to be very heavy. Right. That's good but I think, I think the lure is this whole social media thing we're doing now. Uh-huh. And a lot of my brothers and sisters are afraid to change their style based on the venue that they're now using. Yeah, well, doesn't this kind of force them to have to do that or go extinct? We were talking about that a little bit before that. So let's talk about that. People have been caught off guard. They were kind of refusing to change, but there's something that kind of forces change. It's Mm -hmm. good change, but it had to force you into actually thinking that way. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I I, I think what has happened, there's a certain security in method, certain security in style. And what I've been trying to impress upon preachers that are, are in our fellowship and anyone that I'm talking to, is that we're not asking you to change your style. We're asking you to to adjust your style and add to your style. Um, And this is the first time that many preachers have come to church on Sunday and had no audience. Many of them are still presenting on the internet like they have an audience. But it kind of reduces us to one-on-one conversation. So that means that you and I have a conversation. I'm I'm not asking to touch your neighbor because they know the neighbor sitting next to me. You know, I'm, I don't have to scream at you because I'm looking right at you. Right. So those those without substance are going to have an issue in this season. Because what it has to in a one-on-one conversation, you have to have something to say to your thing. But many of us can't make the switch from Congregational tone, talking to a mass, to one-on-one tone, and that's a conversation. So the teaching conversation is what's going to make it during this time. Okay. Some of our some of our contemporaries are not having teaching conversations. They're walking back and forth, screaming and sweating, like they're standing in front of a congregation. Mm-hmm. Now it's a one-on-one conversation. The camera represents one person. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's really good. I mean, is that, so that's what you're recommending is that as they're adapting to this new method, which it might be new to a lot of them, mm-hmm. not to do the same thing that they're used to doing when they're used to preaching to a congregation, but the camera's looking at them. Instead, it's I'm kind of ministering to the camera that represents one person. And mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, that tone is a little bit different because I, maybe the little bit of the, passive stance that they have when they're just watching online versus mm-hmm. the, the energy. energy you feel in a room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those of us that can't make that switch. Um, and it's funny, I'm, I'm getting, you know, texts and inboxes and emails asking me if I could talk to their pastor 
and ask them to stop screaming at them through their phone. <laughs> you know, I thought it was pretty funny, but it was very real. It's funny how they notice it now that they're watching through camera, but when they were sitting there, they probably didn't notice it as much, and right? No problem with it at all because the context is different. Yeah. You know, the context is different. Right? I think the thing that we that we learned down at Issachar, the whole theme of understanding the times and knowing what to do. Um, I think the second question that God is asking the church is, do you know what time it is? Mm. You know, and therefore, do you know what to do? Right. You know, um, and we're not abandoning our history and our tradition, but we're certainly adding to it now. Yeah. And those that are unwilling to add, I think are going to miss, uh, are not going to make it from the season. Yeah, I mean, I think the conversation right here for people to be able to listen to it and and to now absorb what that would mean for them, I think it's really a good preparation and a good way to begin to assess where they're at, you know, and mm -hmm. how are they coming across for the sake of this new platform and audience we have. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think it's, I, I, you know, when both of us need to encourage when you start doing social media ministry, um, and you really start to operate as a missionary, which are going into people's homes, into people's community. Uh, when you start doing this, Paul had this, I remember when Ezekiel went and did his first preaching engagement with Israel. The next thing he finds out that his top 10 messages didn't work, he's sitting by the river table of Malcolm because he had great messages that he prepared but it weren't applicable to the people he was talking to. So he had to shift his whole approach, not his principles, just his method of delivery in order to be effective in his assignment. So it's, it's God is not asking anything less of us in, the, in, the, in this season. And, and I believe that the church will come out stronger because another element is being added. And I believe that whoever, as effective as we have been during this season, those people that are in geographic proximity will then want to come to the house, especially if we're constantly inviting, you know, when the time comes, we can gather together. You know, we want to make sure you, you come and meet us here, you know, looking forward to meeting face to face and shaking your hand. And, you know, just, I don't want us to miss this opportunity. I think, I think uh, uh, God did not want people to catch something and pass away. But God tends to, to fall into that all things work together for good. Ultimately, I think, you know, his ultimate will will be done. He didn't want this for us. He didn't, this is not his will for us. Um, but um, we're in this world. And we need to, and we need to answer, we need to listen attentively. Do we know what time it is? And do we know what to do? And God, what are you trying to say to the church? Yeah. Because I do believe we're pivotal in the quick cessation of this problem. Yeah. Yeah. And some of this stuff that we have discovered in this time has to be carried over mm -hmm. into the next season. Like you Absolutely. said, if the nets are going, we're going to be able to carry these nets. God has positioned us to do that. So mm -hmm. even though I think I, Bishop, sends, Bishop Pitt said something like this, he said, um, God might have not sent it, but he'll still use it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what is happening with this. There's a sense where there's a, he's going to use this. Are we prepared and preparing and doing what we need to do for that to happen? 
And I think one of the things that's going to be pivotal for us uh, as Christians, we have to do what the Issacharians did. And that was take the divine wisdom of the time, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Job, and do skillful application to content. Mm. They, they were applying ancient wisdom to the context, context in which they lived. What a leader and a Christian has to do is apply what the Bible has said to the context that we have been assigned to function in. That's to know what to do. You know, and then follow through. I think, I think that that contextual relevance of God, I was talking to a Christian the other day, and they were saying that they had gone, they listened to their pastor's message, and the word didn't apply to them. And I said, Honest, I said, you obviously don't understand the God you say you love. And they're like, what? I said, you obviously don't understand the God you say you love. So his word is consistent with his character and his nature. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Every time you hear this, concerning Christians, it'll have to have something to do with your past, some questions and questions. But we say these things like some kind of spiritual death, you know, that, that word wasn't for me, that's something might have been for somebody else. Knowing how God is working, he's answering some questions in history, addressing some stuff right now, getting you ready every time here, a taught message, a preach message. Oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, yeah, we need to be confronted with that, you know, some mm -hmm. of the ways that we have thought how we have to receive from God is through the vessels. And we do need to do that. But if we have enough of a relationship with God, we can understand what the vessel is being used for that might be, but might be for a broader, broader thing. And so in that we're still being fed or still being blessed. Yeah. It's, it's wisdom for a context, mm -hmm. past, present, or future. Yep. Those are three major contexts we dwell in. So it's just, it's, it's so simple to me, you know. <laughs> we, we can miss God so easily. Yeah. You know, um, and oftentimes, you know, we we uh, fall prey to Satan's trick when he was allowed to test Jesus in wilderness. Yeah. When all 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 Satan was asking Jesus to do was hide rebellion in an act of faith. Wow. That's all he was asking. Well, Bishop, if I keep you going, then you're going to, we're going to end up being here an hour because we keep going and here goes Come another on, thing we could be talking about. I think just all that you've shared so far is some tools and some understanding to get the church being stronger, wiser, yeah. and better for this guy. Yeah. And you're there's, optimistic. No there's no reason for the season. Right. It doesn't make it strong. Right. And I think you're optimistic for the, you're optimistic such as I am, and I guess optimism is also the faith of what God is going to do in all this stuff. So, appreciate you, Bishop. Appreciate yeah, thanks for having me. Just having this real talk with real leaders, and that's all we're doing, having this candid conversation, but out of it is just flowing such great wisdom. So, bless you, and people will, I'm sure, check you out on the laws of faith. I think that's a wonderful plug there, especially in the times that we're living in.